0: Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. And so Jesus said to them, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. When I was in college, I think this is where I picked up on this or learned it in a textbook somewhere or in a class, we were told that communication is only in a little small part about the words themselves. That of the 100% of the message that I or you or anybody is trying to communicate to somebody, only about 5% of it is really about the words. 50% of it, as much as 50% can be about body language, and 45% the inflection of our voices. And so you can see why emails and even less so text messages are not particularly valuable in communication because we're missing so much of what the person is trying to say. We have all received text messages or emails where we've left ourselves scratching our head wondering, I wonder if that's what the person actually meant. Always makes me think of the old Irish joke about the cemetery epitaph that the wife left to her husband that said, Here lies my husband, Bob. May he rest in peace until we meet again. The same could be said of what Jesus says at the very end of Matthew's gospel. Now, you and I are Christians. When we hear these words that Jesus speaks, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age, we always hear this as profound and true good news, as gospel, as this wonderful gift that God gives to us in his son, that he promises that he has not abandoned us in his ascension, but is in fact remaining with us each and every place we find ourselves. But you could imagine somebody hearing those words very differently. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Remember Bette Midler's song? about how God is watching us from a distance. It's bad enough if God is watching from a distance, ready to judge us for everything we do. Imagine a God who's right there looking over your shoulder at everything that you do. Now, today is Holy Trinity Sunday. As I mentioned in Bible study, that the church year is sort of centered around these four milestone festivals one to each of the persons of the Godhead, and then today, which is dedicated in summary to all of them together. Christmas, the festival of the Father. And even though we think about it as being about Jesus, because it's about his birth, it's really about the gift that the Father gives to creation. It's why the angels sing, glory be to God on high and on earth peace, goodwill among those with whom God is pleased. And truly, it's the Father who is now pleased through his son and the gift that he will bring at Easter, which is really the celebration of the son, the gift that Jesus gives at the Lord's supper, the gift of his own life on the cross, the gift that he gives us in his resurrection from the tomb. And then of course, last week, the festival of Pentecost and the celebration of the spirit and the gifts that the spirit gives to the world. Today, We have all three, the unity in Trinity and the Trinity in unity. Now, one could preach a very nice sermon on that doctrine, on that dogma, and all of the little elements in the Athanasian Creed that we just recited and where they come from historically and why they are so important to our Catholic, our universal faith. But given everything going on in the world, You could also say that that's just avoiding the obvious. Earthquakes ongoing in Puerto Rico. This COVID-19 crisis that we are continuing to muddle through, not just here in Quebec, but all around the world. The economic disaster that we are all living through caused by the virus and our attempts to deal with it, again, not just here, but around the world. And then, of course, the protests that we are all watching on our TV screens, not just in the United States, but around the world, trying to address racial inequality. Someone online had a joke about February, because if you look at each of those disasters, it covers January, March, April, May and June. Back in February, we had the murder hornets. We just kind of skipped over those because honestly, we cannot deal with yet One more crisis. And in fact, when I was putting my initial thoughts together for this sermon on Thursday, I thought, I wonder if I'm going to have to slip something in at the last minute, if something else is going to happen to us. So, faced with all of that, who wants to spend time digging into the doctrine of the Holy Trinity? How could this dogma of who God is in his nature possibly matter? Well, there's the challenge. The challenge that the Father calls on us through the Son and the power of the Spirit to take up, which is to address the very character of God and how it is profoundly important to everything that we are going through right now and to our witness to the world. When we talk about the Trinity, we often say it's a mystery. Difficult to understand. Who can fathom or put together this concept of three persons in one God? I guess I've never really felt like it was that profound a mystery in that sense and maybe that's because I've studied physics. Once you start really diving into general relativity and all of its implications for the relationship between time and space or quantum mechanics and all of the different interpretations of what is actually happening at the subatomic level. And once you realize that the world is in fact full of paradox and mystery, the Trinity doesn't seem that out of the bounds of everything else. We are told that we have evolved from nothing. It's what our kids are taught in school. That our genes are designed to give each and every one of us the best chance of survival and propagating themselves to a next generation. Well, if that's true, how is it that we would jump into a river to save a drowning dog, or even someone else's baby, or someone else altogether? That's a profound mystery that nobody even wants to think about, if in fact you want to believe in evolution. Why would Puerto Rico this week, in the midst of all of the crises facing that island, decide that this was a good time to say that you only become a human being at your birth? And that prior to the birth, whatever is in the mother's womb is in fact something else, like a cat or a dog or a gerbil. And so it's okay to kill what's in the mother's womb, but only if you want it to be killed. And if you don't, then suddenly it's a child. This is a mystery to me. And yet people accept it. Why would we allow men to marry men and women to marry women when it's an evolutionary dead end? You can't procreate that way. It's a mystery to me. And yet people out there in the world that would say, oh, you Christians, you believe such mysterious paradoxical things, carry around in their mind mysterious paradoxical things all day long without ever questioning them. And yet, nonetheless, people feel like somehow there's this great mystery to the idea that the Father and the Son and the Spirit could each be Lord, and yet there is only one Lord. I think the reason for why we find that hard to believe gets us very close to understanding the importance of the Trinity in our particular day and age, given everything happening in the world right now. Because brothers and sisters in Christ, here's the reality. We cannot imagine three people coming together in perfect agreement on anything. Where two or three humans are gathered and politics or religion is discussed, there is almost always division. We cannot conceive of three persons who are so perfectly united that their thoughts are one who exist in a love so perfect that they are each and every one of them always givers. Where the only thing that pushes the personhoods of the Trinity, the only thing that really gets their goat is a taker, someone who does not love and does not exist to serve. This, though, is God's revelation of himself as triune. That the Father and the Son and Spirit are three persons and yet united completely in one will, where each and every one of them are constantly giving to the other and collectively giving towards us, sustaining creation, giving us creation in the first place, providing redemption for that creation when it turns its back on them. God as triune is as different from us as human beings as we can imagine. That is what sin is all about. That even though we want to say that though we are many different people, we are one race, we are nonetheless takers from each other and not inclined to want to love and serve the way that the Father is inclined to serve and love the Son or the Son love and serve his Father, and the Spirit give up of himself to live in sinful hearts like ours, to restore us and reconcile us to God. And so we're left with a world that is split into two different camps. One that sees God looking over their shoulder at everything they do, and the other who looks at God as the one on whose shoulders we can find peace And rest. Those are the two groups that exist right now. The first group sees the Spirit as the one convicting us that they do not love Jesus, and they do not therefore love others as Jesus loved them. And so they do not know the Father as their Father, but only as a judge. But for us as Christians, The Spirit comforts us with the knowledge of Jesus' love and righteousness and sacrificial care for us and salvation from our sins. And so we are therefore able to pray, Our Father who is in heaven, your kingdom come and your will be done. From a theological and religious perspective, I have no doubt in my mind that the question for 2020 is going to be, where, if anywhere, was God in all this? But the truth of the matter is that the Father's Son remained among us always in his word, and in the promise of his sacraments, whether our baptisms from so long ago, or even more recently for some of us in the promise to once again gather us around his table and give us his body and blood to eat and drink, in the promise of absolution. And the Spirit keeps bringing you and me and others, as he wills, to Jesus for life and reconciliation with the Father. Just as the parable in Luke's Gospel said, God throws the manure of earthquakes and riots and viruses and unemployment all around the roots of our trees. But only in order to call us to the fruit of repentance. So that we would no longer see God as this threatening judge looking over our shoulder. But as the spirit who lives within us to draw us to the son who has died for us and reconcile us to the father in whom we live and move and have our being so that we would hear the last words of Jesus to his disciples, not as, behold, I am with you always. But behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.